Hi, and welcome to No Holding Back with me, Susan Estrich. Each week I'll have the privilege of talking with some of the biggest names from the world of media, politics, and law. Nothing is off the table. I'll be speaking my mind and encouraging my guests to do so as well. Today I'm joined by one of my great friends and protégés, Mari Henderson, a lawyer at Quinn Emanuel and a great talking head from the world of law and politics. We are on a historic day today. It's the day that Donald Trump, the first former president of the United States to ever be indicted, is as we sit here, he is sitting in a New York City courtroom being arraigned, the first American president in history to be arraigned. Maury, what in the world is going on today? Tell us. Well, Susan, thank you so much for having me on. This is, like you said, a historic day. It is an I remember where I was when this happened day. And that happens a lot with Trump because everyone remembers where they were January 6th when he got elected. And this is another one. Everyone will remember where they were when Donald Trump got arraigned on felony criminal charges in New York. For what, Mari? Of all the things, if you would ask me at some point in time if Donald Trump would ever be indicted, I might have said yes. But if you asked me for what he would be indicted, I don't think I would have picked out of a long laundry list of things he might be indicted for that the first indictment would come down for Stormy Daniels. Can you explain to everybody listening, starting with me, exactly what it is that Donald Trump is being indicted for doing wrong? So this is a very unique prosecution for the DA's office in New York because he is being indicted for what otherwise would have been considered misdemeanors under New York state law. It's falsifying business records. And what he did was we're getting updates right now as to the unsealing of each of the 34 counts. But he paid $130,000 to Stormy Daniels in 2016 as hush money to quiet her down so that her lips would be sealed and she wouldn't talk about their affair a decade earlier. When he made the payments, he made them out essentially as attorney's fees to his attorney, Michael Cohen, at the time when they were actually payments going straight to Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet. So falsifying business records in and of itself is only a misdemeanor in New York. However, these are being... <laughs> excuse my pun, trumped up to felony charges because it was in furtherance of a conspiracy or in furtherance of violating federal election law because these payments were done as part of his 2016 presidential campaign. Okay, I got so many questions. We can go on forever. First of all, how did he get off so cheap? I've represented a few defendants in my day. I've been on both sides of these cases. I've most often been on the victim's side, to tell the truth. But I've been on the other side as well. $130,000? That's not much. Why is it any of my business? Yeah, it's only $130,000 to her. And then the other woman who uh, will be a factor in this case, even if it is an uncharged crime, is Karen McDougal, who was paid off only $150,000 in a catch and kill with the, with the National Enquirer. I mean, you're right. It's not like these are millions of dollars. What's a catch and kill? You know these phrases. Not everybody does. <laughs> yes. So catch and kill is basically 
the National Enquirer wanted to only run positive news stories about Donald Trump and to kill any negative news stories about Donald Trump. And so they paid Karen McDougal, who was a former Playboy model who also had an affair with Donald Trump, they paid her this $150,000 sum to say, sell your story to us. We have the exclusive rights to your story, so you cannot go to another outlet and sell your story to them. And she does so under the guise of thinking that the National Enquirer will then publish the story. They buy the story only to kill it, only to bury it, so that it never sees the light of day. And why is Donald Trump so lucky? that the National Enquirer does for him what they normally don't do for anybody else, which is catch the story and kill it, as opposed to catching the story and publishing it. I mean, David Pecker, he was one of the witnesses who did go into the grand jury and testify. So the question is, why is he inside Trump's pocket? And, and, and what does he have on Trump? Uh, how did he get so close to him? And why was he willing to catch and kill the story? And that's because of friendship? Is that it? I mean, you have the National Enquirer in your pocket. They want to be friends with the president? I mean, I guess. yeah, it, it, it has to be more than friendship. They must have dirt on each other. Or David Pecker saw that Donald Trump would be a great media story, as he has been. I mean, he sells papers. That's what he does. Donald Trump's pal pays off Karen, right? Stormy comes along in the closing days of the campaign, and my God, why did she settle for so little? She could have gotten so much more. She takes that money. But I mean, why is that, to be frank, a federal case? I mean, guys pay off their girlfriends all the time. They pay a lot more than Donald Trump did. Why does that become, if you'll pardon my French, a federal case? It becomes a federal case because of it being in violation of federal election campaign laws. But that is going to be the million dollar question that everyone's asking, and that is going to be the key to his defense. I mean, the the timing of the payment is what is the key to the case here, because, you know, he had this affair in 2006. He made the payment in 2016, so he obviously only made the payment because he was running for president. Well, he also was running from his wife. I mean, isn't it a defense? I hate to be playing Donald Trump's defense lawyer, but seriously. I mean, my friend John Edwards, my old friend, the senator from North Carolina, paid off his ex-girlfriend, the videographer who he had an affair with during his campaign, and he got her pregnant and his wife was dying of cancer. It was a horrible story. And he got his videographer pregnant, and his wife is dying of cancer. And he had campaign contributors who paid off the videographer and paid for a house in Santa Barbara and the whole nine yards. So his wife wouldn't find out. Now, at that time, I'm one of the people who stood up and said, that's not a federal case. That's a guy cheating on his wife who shouldn't be cheating on his wife and who's paying off his girlfriend so his wife won't find out. Why is that a federal case? Why is that different from Trump? Why not pay off Stormy Daniels in 2007, 2008, or any of the years in between running up to 2016 if it was all about Melania? Well, because she didn't ask. <laughs> and then suddenly he runs for president and everything that's been in his coffin comes out and she starts asking. I, I think she's known for, I think she's known exactly what's been going on for a long time. But I mean, seriously, we as a country are now going through this incredible circus 
of indicting the former president of the United States because he paid off his mistress $130,000? I mean, is this really worth making a federal case over? I mean, am I really sitting here defending Donald Trump? But I mean, is this a federal case? Is this what we should be bringing an indictment over? I mean, there were so many potential things he could be indicted for and things that he can be indicted for down the line, but timing is of the essence here. He has already announced his presidential campaign for 2024. The Iowa caucuses are coming at the start of the new year. We only have a, you know, eight months left in this year to make something happen. The problem is they should have gone with the strongest case first. You know, Janu whether it be uh, in Georgia, whether it be January 6th, whether it be classified documents, I did not think it was going to be the DA of New York, not even a federal case, not the US attorney, the DA of New York, doing a case about Stormy Daniels, a former porn star, and essentially what's chump change to Donald Trump. So. I, my concern here is with a case that has a lot of potential weaknesses, this will only make Donald Trump stronger. I mean, in the last four days, he has already raised $8 million more in his campaign than he has since he first announced because everyone sees this as a political witch hunt. And that's exactly what he's going to do. If he's not under a gag order, that $8 million is going to be upped, upped, upped. I mean, this helps fuel him and his fans. So... What should Alvin Bragg have done? Should he have not gone after this indictment? I mean, when he, he was able to get the majority of grand jurors to agree and to indict him. And so I don't think that Alvin Bragg should not have done it. I wonder why Cy Vance didn't do it and Alvin Bragg did. And that will be a question on everyone's mind. But you know that a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich. That's what we used to say in Boston. We used to say that a grand jury will do whatever the prosecutor asks them to do. So the prosecutor here took what is a sort of garden variety bookkeeping error, right? I mean, would a yep. normal person have been indicted for a bookkeeping error like this? A misdemeanor at most. A misdemeanor? Would you indict somebody for a misdemeanor bookkeeping violation that they carried on their books, that they had carried something as, I mean, I don't know what you would carry it on your books, a bookkeeping violation by your crooked fix-it lawyer who is an incompetent, I mean, you know, maybe Donald Trump should be indicted for bad taste in lawyers or for hiring a crooked fix-it lawyer, but you've got a convicted felon who's a lawyer, who this case is riding on, right? That is the other real concern here, besides the weaknesses of tying what otherwise would be a misdemeanor. And keep in mind, these 34 counts are because the $130,000 wasn't made in one lump sum. They were made in different sums. And so the counts each represent uh, the number of times that he made the payments to Michael Cohen. So notwithstanding the weakness of the charges themselves, the star witness in the prosecution's case is Michael Cohen, who is a convicted and known liar. This is someone who lied to Congress. This is someone who has severe credibility issues. And so to have your whole case riding on someone who's been known to lie under oath is a real problem, which is why I thought actually what will probably be key to this case is David Pecker and the Karen McDougal case coming in to show that this was a pattern of conduct and this was not just a one-off. This was not just a let's keep Melania happy 
let's disbelieve Michael Cohen. This is the quote-unquote mimic evidence, something to show motive, intent, opportunity. That's why Donald Trump did this. That he did this to protect himself in the campaign. So that he would win. And, and, and he did win. And so the timing of it, like I said, is key. It's not just trying to keep your wife happy. But I wonder what the status is of the other three cases where prosecutors are looking into charging and indicting Donald Trump because those are likely stronger cases. They are stronger cases, but how do you get ahead of New York now? I mean, when I look at the Donald Trump sort of picture, I see January 6th where he actually is alleged to have incited a riot and to have used fighting words and to have abused the power of the presidency. I look at the Georgia case where he actually is accused of abusing the power of the presidency in order to change the result of an election. I look at Mar-a-Lago, where he is alleged to have abused the power of the presidency and the Presidential Records Act and to have obstructed justice. Those three are serious charges that go to the abuse of the power of the presidency. This one is like chopped liver. I mean, this is like he was trying to win an election. Yeah, of course he was trying to win an election. He was trying to cover up his affair. Yeah, so he joins how many millions of other men who've been trying to cheat on their wives and cover up an affair. But this one is getting this enormous glut of publicity, and it's going to be a circus tonight at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, put on your political hat, Mari. What's he going to say tonight? He's going to get up there in front of crowds of cheering supporters with witch hunt signs and MAGA hats, and he's going to say, they're after me. I'm everybody's victim. Those animals in New York and those Democrats are out to, you know, massacre me. And what are the other Republicans going to say? Are they going to stand up there and decry the abuse of process? No, they're going to say they're out to, this is a witch hunt. And you and I, I mean, can't Lindsey Graham has it. already come out and said it's a witch hunt. Like, this has already been politicized from the moment the indictment was announced. Donald Trump actually wanted the mugshot so that it could become his campaign poster. There's not going to be a mugshot, but uh, there's already fake mugshots going up on the, the campaign website because they, they want to monetize this. They want to politicize this. Donald Trump has already called out the prosecutor. He's already called out the judge. So he is using this to his benefit. And and the question in my mind is if there will be a gag order, what the punishment is going to be? Because I, do you think Donald Trump is really going to be abiding by this gag order? I don't see where the justification comes for a gag order. Has the judge issued one yet? We know we're in real time here for those who are listening. So we're just checking our monitors. But I think it would be very difficult for the judge to issue a gag order in this case. You're going to gag the former president of the United States? on the grounds that you can't get a fair trial? Yeah, and I'm not seeing that a gag order has been issued yet. I mean, a gag order, he has personally attacked 
the judge talked about um, how the judge's daughter was on judge Kamala's campaign. campaign. He's already personally attacked the prosecutor, talking about how Alvin Bragg's wife uh, is a Trump hater, and she's now since made her account private. So I think there are some grounds for a gag order, but typically in the cases I've handled before, gag orders are where there is a crime with a victim, and the defendant is you know, in these high profile cases where both the defendant and the victim are celebrities, if the defendant continually is bullying or, you know, speaking out against the victim, I've seen gag orders in those cases, but this would be a unique one. And and even if there is a gag order issued, so what's the punishment? Bail gets revoked? I think that's a risk that he is more than willing to take. He's not going to get bail revoked. And his right to a fair trial is he's going to say, look, I'm the former president of the United States. My right to a fair trial is going to be imperiled if I'm not allowed to speak out. And his supporters are going to be allowed to speak out. He's already saying that his right to a fair trial. what, What I'm curious about is whether you think there will actually be a change of venue, because he's already said he can't get a fair trial in Manhattan because only 1% of Manhattanites voted for him. So where does he want to go? Staten Island of all places. Let me tell you. (laughs) I was a one-man band reporter for New York One in Staten Island, so I know Staten Island, and that that would be a circus. (laughs) That would be a circus. He's not getting out of Manhattan. But this this whole thing is becoming a circus. And one of the things I worry about, quite frankly, is respect for the rule of law. Because on the one hand, no one is above the law. And Donald Trump is trying to put himself above the rule of law. And that can't be. But at the same time, this whole thing has become a circus. I mean, to see the 39,000 police officers deployed all over the city of New York today for this circus and to see the president of the United States or the former president lifting his fist in the air in protest is just a tremendous assault on the criminal justice system. And it worries me. I don't know how you feel about it, but it frankly worries me to see the disrespect for the criminal justice system at the highest levels. And I think that's what it's encouraging in the same way as January 6th, only writ large. If the president of the United States doesn't respect the criminal justice system, who does? I mean, it is a real concern. As a former DA in Los Angeles, anytime there's a, you know, a prosecution where the spotlight is on you and all eyes are on you, you better make sure your case is airtight because if it's not, then your office will lose respect. And that does a lot of damage. Do you think Alvin Bragg has made a mistake? It's too early to tell, but, you know, people thought Cy Vance made a mistake by not going after Trump when he had the opportunity. And so Alvin Bragg got, yes, you're saying that grand jury could indict a ham sandwich, but he had the opportunity before him. And like I said, timing is of the essence here. He's already announced his 2024 campaign. So the clock is ticking for unindictment to move forward. Was I surprised it was this out of the four potential indictments to have gone first? Yeah, I was. Um, But I think it's too early to tell what Alvin Bragg's legacy will be in history. Mari, I hope you're right. That's all I can say. I just hope this goes well. Any final thoughts? I mean, I, I want to see what Trump has to say tonight. Yeah, history will judge this one, but Donald Trump 
now has, who, who frankly, was looking at Truth Social before Friday? No one was looking at Donald Trump's like pseudo Twitter platform. But guess what? Everyone wants to hear and see what Donald Trump has to say now. And so they've put that spotlight back on him. And that is my concern because he started to get to a point where he was becoming irrelevant and where people were moving on and focusing on other things. Yet now, I mean, even with the January 6th hearings, like, yes, that was going on, but people were, were focused on the next generation and focused on who actually could be a contender for the 2024 race. And somehow, because of this prosecution, Donald Trump's name is, he's leading in the polls because of this. I think you're exactly right, Mari. He has gotten exactly what he wants. He's the center of attention. He is back in the middle of the game. Nobody else on the Republican side is going to get any attention right now for the foreseeable future. It's all Trump all the time. Mari, thank you so much for taking the time to be my guest today. It's wonderful to have you with us. You've been listening to No Holding Back with me, Susan Estrich. Thank you to Mari Henderson for being such a wonderful guest today. Tweet us at No Holding Back FM. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share the link on social media. You can sign up to receive an email when a new episode drops at our website, noholdingback.fm. This podcast was produced by Podcast Partners. You can find out more at podcastpartners.com. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll see you next time on No Holding Back with me, Susan Estridge. Well, wasn't that amazing? It was created and produced by Podcast Partners. They're really lovely people and rather good at all this podcasting guff. Find out more at podcastpartners.com. Listener.